Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. Be sure to subscribe, review, and share the episode. You can follow me on social media at Galen Trombley. I hope you enjoy the show. Greetings. Please hold for a very important message. Light speed sequence initiated. How may I help you? Bonjour. Security breach. The truth shall set you free. <laughs> awesome. It's a miracle. Mission complete. Thank you. Have a nice day. To rolling start, so we are now live. Um, big day today, episode two hundred and fifty. We've hit the, uh, I guess, silver anniversary times ten uh, of this. <laughs> so, so I don't even know what that is of two hundred and fifty of a thousand, but uh, we're a quarter of a way to a thousand episodes, which is cool. Um, my guest today, Barry Finnegan, he is the executive director of North Country Honor Flight here in Plattsburgh. Um, this is his first ever podcast, so this is good. It's good, good timing to have you on today. Well, I'm gr- glad to be here. Thanks very much for asking, and uh, it, it's a pleasure to be here. And uh, let's hope I do okay on my first podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Barry, I want I mean, we'll go. We'll dive into a bunch of stuff. I don't know if I'll talk about the Dallas Cowboys. Um, that might be an off-topic thing today, but um, my, minus I was reading this, Mike. Minus that, I really like this guy. But this is uh, so. Um, so Honor Flight, um, why don't we just start off, what is it, how it got involved, we'll dive into stories, but for people that do not know, and he's wearing his jacket today, and I think the, and you'll, you'll give me some stats on when this started and, and all that, but I think uh, most people in the North Country have probably have seen that logo in some capacity, they probably have seen multiple people wearing jackets like that at some capacity, um, I think it's turned into its own, you know, I like branding and stuff, but it's turned into its own local brand, um, and, and possibly at this point, um, even regional or national, obviously, you know, being um, heavily involved with Washington D.C. and and uh, with the veterans down there. So, um, you know, this is not something that is, I think, in any underground topic. I think a lot of people know it. I think there's a lot of you know people that love to support it, and I think the mission behind it um, has built uh, a, a very strong base of uh, of support. Um, and you are at least as an executive director, pretty high up on the list of people that are involved in this. So if not the top guys. So um, give us a little background. What is the uh, North Country Honor Flight? How did it start? How? What's your involvement? Give us, again, long story long, the floor okay. is yours. Sure. Um, North Country Honor Flight came to be in 2013. Uh, somebody else started this uh, for the first year. And uh, we, at that point, we were making connections and, and getting things down to how we wanted to do things, which is totally different from some of the other hubs. Uh, Honor Flight is a national effort. Uh, started in 2004, there was a, uh, a medic. Uh, he was a assistant at a VA clinic, and he had heard that the World War II Memorial just opened up. And, and it did in 2004 because they opened in reverse order. The Vietnam Wall opened first, then the Korean Memorial, and then the World War II, which is an exact opposite of the way the, uh, the wars occurred. Mm-hmm. So uh, they heard the World War II was open, and he had a couple of uh, his patients that were World War II veterans who were uh, into their late 80s and just weren't capable of getting there by themselves. You know, some of these guys needed some help. Uh, be it financially, physically, whatever they needed. So he decided, being a pilot and having a plane, 
that he would fly a couple of these World War II vets down to see that brand new memorial. Well, they had a great time and a great day, and by the time they got back home, there was probably 10 more waiting to go <laughs> because word got out that the World War II memorial was open, and this guy would bring you down to see it. So they knew something was going on right then and there. And uh, his name was Earl Morse, and Earl got with another guy and uh, just knocked heads and said, we need to do something formally. And uh, they, they basically started the Honor Flight Network. Uh, started right out there in the Midwest, and uh, now there's 130 hubs across the country. So most states have their own Honor Flight, and uh, ours is uh, right here in the North Country. And we're probably one of the smaller numbers-wise. We don't carry as many veterans as a lot of the hubs do. Mm -hmm. uh, Syracuse will take 180 veterans in a day. You know, uh, Milwaukee will take 320 veterans down at a time. I mean, they come rolling in with eight and ten buses at a clip, where we do two buses. Uh, we take two 30-passenger aircraft on each day that we fly. So... Even though we're not taking as many veterans as fast as they do, um, those numbers allow us to become a lot more acquainted, acquainted with our, our veterans. We know them personally. We know them, you know, North Country is a small place to begin with. So if we didn't know them before, we definitely know them after they get involved in Honor Flight. And uh, that's our luxury that we have because of the numbers. Um, geographically, though, we have one of the largest areas in the country. I mean, we go all the way over to Watertown. Uh, we've been down to Utica, Albany, Saratoga, and Vermont doesn't have their own honor flight. So whenever any World War II vets come up, we take them out of Vermont. Um, we try to be cautious about that because we are north country of New York honor flight. So, uh, but, but a veteran is a veteran, especially when they're a World War II veteran. Mm -hmm. uh, we got to get them down there. And realistically, you know, we're 13 miles away from Vermont. And uh, when we go to Watertown, we're a heck of a lot further away than that. So we try our best to work it out and, and take whatever vets we can. And what year to start in the North Country? Is it 13? 2013. Um, so, and again, I, I've... Um, I'm aware of the North Country Honor Flight, you know, of what they do. I don't know all the details of it. So when you look at, we talk like World War II, I mean, at this point, has it transitioned back to the Vietnam, Korean War? I mean, I guess going backwards, going Korean War and then the Vietnam War? It has. Okay. Yeah. I mean, there is still some World War II vets out of there. Mm -hmm. um, we're very proud that we had one flight this year that had three World War II vets on yeah, it, which crazy. is phenomenal because even those bigger hubs how, how don't, old, don't how, get that many. How old were those veterans? Uh, one was 101, yeah. one was 98, one was 97. What's what's the... Because uh, um, World War II ended, what, mid-40s? 1945. So when you start looking at that, if you do... I mean, again, doing the numbers back, you have... Probably the youngest were 18 at the time, so they were born, what, 1927 or so? Yeah. If math checks out, so you're, yeah, you're, they're all pushing 100 <laughs> you, at this you, point. You've got to be at least 95 yeah. to be, in, and that's if you lied on, on your age, which a lot of people did. Yeah. A, a, lot of, uh, a lot of the veterans got up, and they were determined they were going to join, and uh, they forged their parents' signature and got in the service. How many, uh, how many uh, World War II vets are in the network in the North Country, uh, Honor Flight, or even locally in Clinton County right now that you know of? 
I don't know the number now. I know at one point it was Single only, digits? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's not many. Um, our problem is that they don't get out in the public. You know, you're not going to see them walking the streets or mm-hmm. at a restaurant even sometimes. But they're basically staying home. Uh, we don't have access to them. They probably don't know about us. So we're relying on family members or friends to say, hey, you know, Grandpa, Grandpa's in World War II. Why don't we send him on this honor flight? Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're down to that point where that's got to be the message from those people that help out. And it just breaks our heart every time I open that paper up and see a World War II vet that passed away that we didn't know about. Yeah. So we'd really like to get them all down there. And that goes for every war. That goes, that goes for Korean guys, too. They're getting up there. Yeah. They're all pushing 90 years old. And, uh, Do you have any, uh, um, like, pro, um, um, the, the uh, early '90s, Persian Gulf. Oh, we've taken a couple. Okay, I didn't know yep. if it has it gotten up to that level or, or like eight. Uh, no, your wife says two. That's still too young yeah. at this point. Yeah, right now we're right dead center of uh, taking the Vietnam vets. Okay, um, you know the Korean veterans are, are starting to to slow down quite a bit. We'll get one or two per flight, maybe. Okay. Um, but it's, it's solely, mostly Vietnam vets right now. And as we progressed, you know, we went from all World War II into some World War II, some Korean, and then we went some Korean and some Vietnam. At that point, you know, there was a decision to be made. Do you continue this program? Is that what it was designed for? And it didn't take very long to come to the conclusion that the Vietnam veterans deserve this trip more than any of the others. What they went through when they came back home was just horrendous. They, they were treated horribly. They were made to feel like outcasts. They were not welcome back home in their own country. Now, half of these people didn't even want to go. They got drafted. Mm. And the other half went thinking, well, I'm serving my country like my father did in World War II. Mm-hmm. And it just it turned around because of the whole political football thing where when they they got home, they were called baby killers and drug addicts and, and every other name in the book. And it's just such a sad situation. So we decided right very quickly that we are taking these Vietnam veterans, that they deserve it. And uh, many of them are still bitter. They still remember what happened to them when they got home, and they're not going to let that go. But if we can convince them to go on this honor flight, they'll see that a whole country has got gratitude for what they did, that they now appreciate them as any other veteran, that they went and did what they were asked to do for their country. So if we can get them to go, it, it kind of changes their life. And, and that's the thing about the honor flight. You never know what's going to happen. You can change a person's life in a heartbeat. And many of these Vietnam vets are starting to see that, and, and it does happen. Um, we had one guy that his biggest thing was uh, my service didn't count, that he spent you know six years mainly during Vietnam over in Vietnam and said it didn't count because of what was going on and what happened when he got back home. And then when he came back off his honor flight and saw all those people clapping and cheering and, and uh, just making sure that they know that they're thanking him for his service, uh, he came home and he said, you know what? He says, my service did count. 
And from then on, he, his family said he was a different person. He just let all that go, and now he's living life, and he's proud that he served his country, which he should be, mm-hmm. and uh, a different man. Yeah, I think that's, uh, you know, and I th- again, I think the political climate sours a lot of that because, I mean, I, again, I'm, you know, I, I was born in the late 80s, but when you look at, you know, the time frame of, you know, when I was, you know, 9-11, you know, Iraq, Iran, you know, that, that, that whole thing, I mean, 20 years of, and again, that, that all started, I mean, September 11th, I was, I think, in sixth grade when that happened. Remember it clear as day. You know, I, yep. um, you know, I think even at this point in time, you know, being, you know, 20-something years removed from that, it's like it's still, I mean, there's images I saw that day that I'll never forget and stuff that, you know, just, I think, bothers. And again, I, I was never in the military, never served, but I said, you look at that and, and then you look at the people that... Um, you know, stepped up and went and, and, you know, and again, whether or not you agree with war or not, I think that's a, you know, an irrelevant point when it comes down to people going over and, and, you know, being the ones to step up. And again, it's not a, um, you know, and I think that, you know, you look in the early 2000s, I mean, there was, that was the most, well, in my lifetime, the most pro-American I've ever seen the country. Absolutely. And, and people were, you know, it doesn't, didn't matter what side of the aisle you were on. I said everybody was pro-America. Pro, and, yep. you know, and I think it's it's always a shame, I think, when we lose that identity and it ends up be, becoming, you know, I don't, you know, obviously I don't want to say a civil war because that was a war that, you know, that uh, escalated. But I said you're starting to see stuff like, you know, without getting political, but I mean, you're starting to see, um, unfortunately, more divide, I think, in our country than there is even between us and everybody else. And I think if you go back, I mean, you know, and I, I think it's the outliers, it's the extremists on both sides. But if yep. you look at, you know, I think what it does to soldiers, um, I don't think they get the praise now um, that they did 10, 15, 20 years ago. No. Um, I don't know how it was again when you, you know, and again, I think someone that's enlisting right now to go into the military, it carries the same amount of respect to me as someone who went to world war ii korean war i mean you're stepping up you're you're putting your life on the line for others absolutely and i think if but if again for, for that not to carry the same you know um you know supportive weight from a country you know right. and, and i think that i i don't feel it's as um as uh supported or publicized in in a good way as what we've seen in the past um i guess speaking from and again I'm, i've only lived 30 something years and i've only seen you know that <laughs> when you go back um depending how old you are barry I mean, maybe, maybe you don't remember the vietnam war i don't i don't I'm, know how I'm, old you are but i am it, now a liability to, to the government okay so uh, <laughs> so when when you look at those wars like what was it because again if you lived through vietnam and and you said the support wasn't fully there and obviously that was a big divide in the country back then um when do you think that the U.S. had the greatest support from a military perspective versus when do you think they had the least amount of support? What, I mean, Vietnam probably the least and then most, you think, the world wars? I, I Definitely Vietnam was the least. I yep. mean, that was, uh, you know, you, you can have lack of support. Um, the Korean War was, was called the unknown war. People didn't care. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's because of the timing. I mean, it was five years after World War II. And World War II, you know, changed the planet geographically, yeah. physically, every every way possible. Um, Sixteen million Americans answered the call after Pearl Harbor to go defend this country mm-hmm. and make sure that our way of life was preserved. Sixteen million, and you know, it, it's almost like when they came back home after the war, it was no big deal because everybody went. And everybody did something for the war. 
Um, even the people that lived here all had a job to do, something relating to the war. I've, I've talked to wives that sat in trees up in Champlain looking for aircraft. They sat up in, in, in basically deer stands spotting aircraft, trying to see, and they had their charts on which plane it might be, and they had to notify uh, the authorities if uh, they saw planes. And on and on, you know, you've heard of the Rosie, the Riveters that are that were doing the the uh, factory work, and uh, everybody took part in that war. So when those guys came back home, it wasn't a, a difference. They weren't, you know, oh, my father served in World War Two. Well, so did mine, so did his, so did his, so did his. So it wasn't, you know, different. Um, when when you look at uh, and again going through wars, I mean, I would look at like the Revolutionary War. You look at World War Two, and then you look at um, I'm going to call it the Iraqi War. But um, all three of those were some type of influence directly to dom- like domestically. I mean, obviously, yeah. Civil War was domestic, but right. they were all threats to the country. Yeah. And then if you start going on the other ones, there were indirect threats to the country. Um, but I think that you know, do you think that that spiked up the you know kind of like you're attacking us in our home soil? Like we're gonna, you know, not back down and go back and fight. And I think again, our country was founded on that. I mean, Absolutely. You know, yet, you, you know, just the the, the, minute, the Minutemen and all the oh, stuff yeah. you learn about, where yep. it's just like grab, you know, you're you're yep. working in town as a, you know, a, a cobbler, and like, well, grab your pitchfork and grab your gun <laughs> and rifle and musket and go out and fight. And yep. um, do you find that that was a spike? I, I or, truly believe that. That's a, I mean, um, it seems like a direct correlation. Perfect example would be uh, Desert Storm. Yep. Um, everybody, of course, it was a different time in a different era, but everybody was involved in Desert Storm. It was the first time you could actually watch a, a full war as it's happening on TV. Airstrikes and yeah. So you're sitting there watching Baghdad getting the heck bombed out of it and uh, following the generals. And I mean, oh my gosh, Schwarzkopf was one of the biggest names in the world. And, uh, you know, George Bush is president. And. It just, it was a big, big thing mm-hmm. that everybody was paying attention to and following. And when it ended and uh, we decided not to go into into Iraq and finish the job, so to say, you know, some people say, well, we left it as we, we found it. We just did what we had to do to defend our part of it, mm-hmm. which was Kuwait. And uh, a lot of people think we should have continued on and taken Saddam out at that point. Um, that was probably the highest point of approval that any war is probably ever going to get because it was very justified. They they had attacked other people, plus there was a lot of other terrible things that were happening underneath Saddam Hussein. So uh, the approval was very, very high, and, and people, the audience watching was just... Uh, unbelievable uh i can't see anything ever happening like that again that would get that kind of uh attention um the next time we went in not so popular a lot of people didn't think we had any right to go in there Uh, a lot of people thought we definitely should have gone that we should have gone the first time so there's your you're talking about uh, early 2000s back to iraq yeah. yeah Yeah, when 2004, when we went back in, actually now it's George Bush Jr. Yeah, W. Yep. So, uh, you know, that's where some of the controversy started. And, of course, at the same time, Afghanistan's still going on, you know, from way back. Mm -hmm. And uh, it got convoluted and it got, you know, confusing to some people. And 
at points people stop and say, you know, why are we doing this? What What's the point? What's the end game? And uh, <laughs> it's still up for debate what the end game was. Well, I think, it, you know, and then you look at the U.S. as the leading superpower still. I mean, we've been the superpower for, what, 250 plus years? Yeah. So, I mean, when you look at that and, you know, obviously there's some threats to that when you start looking at different countries kind of, you know, rising up and, you know, China and Russia and these other, you know, major superpowers. But I still think it's like you, a lot of these places in the world still have to rely on that better or that, that more powerful country. And I right. think that, I think that's also something that, I mean, it's something that's frustrating, or at least I find it frustrating when people put down the country that you live in from, uh, it's like almost like a nationalism thing. But yeah. I think if you get it where, you know, they're quick to point out the flaws of America, which we're, we're human, we're a country, we have flaws, everybody's got flaws. But I said, you also have to, that'd be like saying how bad you are. And right. most people don't say how bad they are, but they're quick to point out all the, the flaws in the country. I'm like, well, you know, and then you look at the, people like I'm moving away, you know, if so-and-so gets elected or I'm going to do this and that, if, if this doesn't happen and, and then you're like, Hey, go good. And nobody does. And I said, you, you see, you know, even just the, uh, you know, the amount of people that try to get into our country, it's like, they're not going to other countries. Like right. there's a reason people want to move here. And I said, if you think it's that bad, I said, grass isn't greener on the other side. And if anything, it's probably dirt, you know? And I think that, you know, a lot of, uh, sometimes we lose sight of that. And I think Absolutely. that people, um, you know, I, it's one of those where, you know, I, I just, you know, was, was uh, traveling and, you know, got back and stuff. And then you look at the news and all the stuff that's going on, you know, in uh, kind of like the Gaza Strip and stuff and how horrible that is. And they're showing like they showed like infants, um, you know, basically had to get taken out of incubators because they lost uh, they lost power. Lost power. And some hospital. of these infants are, are I mean, they're making graphic, but they're dying. And it's yeah. like and I'm yeah. looking at that and I got three young kids. I'm like. We never had to have that issue. That no. never even crossed my mind. No. You know, I I had other stresses, but it wasn't that, no. you know. And, and then you start looking at it and you put it in perspective. It's like, we live in a pretty damn good place. And I said, I think that some people lose sight of that. Um, and again, if it's all you've ever known, right. human nature, right. you you know. But, you know, I, I try to I try to have like, you know, whether it's gratitude or whether it's just perspective. And, um, but you got to kind of put that, you know, like I said, into perspective that most of our problems that we face – pale in comparison to 99.9% of the world. And it's absolutely correct. You really need to remind yourself every so often just what we have here. I mean, undoubtedly, and and some people will probably argue this, but this is the greatest country in the world, uh, has been for a long time, uh, the greatest experiment in political spheres that has ever happened. And it's so far it's working. Um, And led the charge in many other countries throughout the world. And you know what? Everybody wants to come here, like you said. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just don't understand it why people are, are bound and determined. Uh, and, and most of it's political. It's because, you know, the Democrats are in charge or the Republicans are in charge and the opposite yeah. party is going to tear the country down like it's their fault. And, well, you know, we've still got the best country in the world. Yeah. And uh, no, it doesn't matter who's in charge. It's temporary. Uh, we'll get through it. <laughs> we always do. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so, so I guess, I guess taking, I mean, obviously again, the, the, I don't want to harp too much on, you know, things in the world because things are always going on. Obviously we have a couple of sure. wars going on right now that aren't, um, ideal for anybody in the world. But if you, um, get out of that and go back to, you know, honoring veterans and honoring people that, you know, you, you know, kind of, like I said, give, give the, uh, uh, 
what was what's the phrase that the greatest sacrifice or the um um the absolute sacrifice. I'm, I'm using bad terms here. I know there's a there's a there's a more <laughs> the fluid ultimate way. Ultimate sacrifice. Ultimate. There you go. Thank the you. Word, I know there's yeah. more of a better phrase. And then you hear like the uh, we have it on online here, but honoring the greatest generation. You know, I grew up with uh, Tom Brokaw saying oh, that, how that's... many times about you know the greatest generation. Yep. Again, I was a young kid, but you look at these people, and and again, these were. Um, you know, absolute icons when, when I was a kid. And now, like I said, you hear like, they're all pushing a hundred at this point. Yeah. And I said, if you see a world war two veteran at this point, oh, it's like seeing boy. a unicorn almost out there. Absolutely. Um, but, um, so diving back in and going back in, how did you get involved in it? Cause again, you didn't, you said someone else started it here, but how yep. did you end up getting to where you are now over the last 10 years? I, uh, I went to the first send off that they had here in Plattsburgh. I wasn't involved at all. Didn't know anything about it. Um, so you were just a bystander. I, just, I went to see. Uh, yeah. I started at 5 a.m. and uh, my mother had just passed away two months before that, and my mother was a World War II vet in the Canadian Army. Mm-hmm. Uh, my father had passed away a year before that. He was a World War II vet over in uh, China, Burma, and India. So both of those still fresh on my mind and. Uh, you know, they were both very proud of their service. When I saw this about the World War II vets going on an honor flight, I said, well, I'm going to go see that. It's very early, but I don't mind. So I went down there, and it uh, turns out one of my friends was involved in it and said, hey, come on down to the next meeting, and uh, you can help us out. And I, I watched the whole send-off, and at that time they had to go to Albany to get on an airplane. So they took a bus from Plattsburgh to Albany and then flew to Washington from there. And there was 100 motorcycles that escorted that bus all the way to the Albany Airport. Uh. And it was about 36 degrees in early May and not the nicest riding conditions. But those guys went, and they went and and didn't hesitate. Um, And they'd do it again. The the riders are just so dedicated— and uh, their phrase is, you know, those guys didn't get a day off from war and they didn't choose weather conditions, so we shouldn't either. We need to support these veterans. So uh, next thing I know, there was a meeting down in Keysville, and I went and I just I paid attention and they could tell that I was, uh, my heart was in it, that I was looking to do whatever I could do to help. So I think that year, that fall, I ended up being a flight leader on one of the flights in September and then I was named as director of operations that fall. And uh, we got through the winter. And the next year, the guy that started it ended up leaving right after the first flight in May. Okay. So that left kind of a vacuum. And we had another guy that was a big part of getting it going, uh, Colonel George King from Westport. So George was named director. And he kind of took over, but at that point, I was doing quite a bit. I was heavily involved with all phases of the honor flight. So um, I helped George everything I could do, and uh, we got through that year. And then over the winter, George said, you know what, you're our guy. You're you're the one that I want to see lead this organization, and we think you've got all the tools to do it. And of course, I was very flattered and uh, and said I'd be honored to do that. So um, they they selected me as the uh, executive director, 
And I've been there ever since. <laughs> and now you're up to 49 flights at this point? We've got 51 flights, actually. 51. Yep. Um, yep. So how, how often do they, um, I mean, based on this, it seems like anywhere from three to six times a year? We fly, right now we're doing four flight days per year. Okay. And we send two airplanes on each day. Uh, we find it easier overall because of the send-off ceremony and mm -hmm. the scope that we're doing now. I don't know if you've ever seen the thunder it, in the berg. I, I, to be honest, it, it's something <laughs> I've wanted to see. Like it, it, I will definitely go to one. It's just, like I said, the, uh, I yeah, have not made it out there yet. It's, it's incredible. And, uh, I, I'd like to take this opportunity to thank all the people that are on that route from the mall down to the oval. Cause when you got 220 motorcycles and probably 25 police units and 10 fire trucks all screaming sirens at 6.15 in the morning, it can be disruptive. But we get very little complaints, and it only lasts about 10 minutes, mm -hmm. and everybody can go back to sleep. Uh, we prefer they come down to the Oval and see the rest of the show. But uh, so, so for people that don't know us, Give, give us the whole rundown of what a send-off day looks like. The send-off day actually starts up at the mall. Um, each veteran is picked up by a police unit, uh, be it city police, state police, Clinton County, Essex County, Border Patrol, University Police. We've got every police uh, units that are out there are involved one way or another. So they'll go to the veteran's house, depending on location, mm -hmm. and they'll bring that veteran and the, with the motorcycle escorts all to the mall. We all get organized in the parking lot, and then at 6.15, there's one parade that starts with all the motorcycles, which I say our, our biggest number was 220. That's incredible. And, and unbelievable. Now, these guys have been on the road since 4 o'clock to go pick up these veterans at some places to get back to the mall already. So they, they get all organized, and it's just one big parade with all those police cars and all the motorcycles and, uh, and fire trucks and uh, all the veterans and the honor flight bus, and they bring everybody down to the Oval. And uh, that's quite a sight in itself. Um, and so, very well attended by people. We've never <laughs> been able to, to pinpoint a number. It's very difficult. Um, we know that... At some point, there's there's 400 people over on the motorcycle side of the parking lot, mm -hmm. and then the the car parking lot goes way up from the end of the oval where the veterans park is, all the way up past the YMCA. So uh, we we've, we've never pinpointed a number, but there's a lot of people there. It's it's packed, and uh, there's just something about it. It's it's everybody's there for the right reason. Uh, there's no political stuff involved whatsoever. There's no you know, well, this, but everybody's there for the same reason. Show their gratitude for our veterans, and uh, and it just works so well. And, and then from the Oval, they make their way to the airport? From the Oval, there's about a one-hour ceremony mm -hmm. where uh, we, we have uh, a couple of uh, entertainment things, a couple of military songs or, you know, meaningful songs that affect our veterans that they love to hear. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we all get ready and head over towards the airport um and, and again it's all the motorcycles all the police as we're going down new york avenue all the fire trucks from all over the north country have been notified and they are lining the streets on new york avenue 
and two of the tower trucks are hanging that huge flag over the top of the street. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think I figured out I've done this 45 times now, and each time it just takes your breath away. Um, I've Again, I've never counted how many fire trucks are lined up, all the lights blazing, all the firemen are all lined up on the side of the street in front of the trucks, all at salute when that bus goes by, and it just uh, it gets you every time. We call it the honor flight allergies, where you get a little bit of right now. water coming out. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's just an unbelievable sight. And then we go head over to the airport. Um, we used to fly out of the main terminal. Mm-hmm. Um, when it was Sky West, we were flying actually commercial. Um, they would arrange their schedule to fit ours. So even though they had a 50-passenger aircraft, they would only sell us 35 which is what we wanted, what mm-hmm. we needed. But they'd adjust their time so it fit into our timetable with getting down to Washington and back home. So what time does the flight typically leave out of Plattsburgh? We try to leave at 9.30. Okay. That, that gives us time. Our, our ceremony starts at 7. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're usually on the road by 8.10, 8.15, heading to the airport. And that gives us about 45 minutes to an hour to uh, relax after the ceremony and, and the morning pickups and everything. Uh, breakfast is delivered over to the airport now. Um, we've been fortunate enough where the airport crew and staff have all been huge assets to us. Uh, Chris Craig is actually on our board of directors. Nice. who's the uh, airport manager. And uh, we've got a hangar that we have use of. So when we pull into the airport, we go right out onto the airstrip, turn around and go right into a private hangar, and the veterans, you know, don't even step outside yet. They get off the bus, and breakfast is waiting for them, and they get to sit and relax and chat for a while. And then when we open up the door on the opposite side, the two aircraft are sitting outside waiting for them. And it's just so nice to to go through without TSA, Um not that TSA did anything bad, but it just it slows you down yeah, a smoother. lot. Yeah, and uh, they they had their job to do, and they didn't have any option on it. So, like I say, I'm not saying anything bad about TSA. It just slowed us down. So we get right on the plane and uh, and get ready to take off. It all happens fairly quick. Um, get a water cannon salute from the from the airbase uh, or airport fire staff who are always right there, and uh, that's a quite a treat for the veterans as well. So um, so then they, they leave, like you said, around 9.30. They get to probably D.C. right about 11.30? 11 o'clock. 11 o'clock? Yeah, usually either 11, 5 after, something like that. And then from there, once they get off, what's the um, – and how many times have you been down to D.C. with them on the flight? I've been told that I have to go once a year. Okay. <laughs> and it's not like pulling teeth for me to go. Yeah, I, yeah. I love to it. go. But I also understand that there's a lot of people that need to see this trip. Mm-hmm. So I try to get as many different people down there as possible. But for logistics points, you know, I, I need to know what's going on down there and see it unfold. So if we need to make any changes or adaptations, we can. So I, I've been, uh, let's see, this is our 12th year coming up. So I'd probably been 14 times. Nice. And so, and, uh, so it, I'm sure, sure you enjoy it every time you go down? Oh, my gosh. Every every time is different. And every time there's some kind of magic is going to happen. We never know what it is. Um, 
it could be something with the flight. It could be something with the public. It could be something with a veteran. Some kind of magic is going to happen that we have never seen before. So, so when you show up to you fly into DC, you um, like what's what's the day like in DC? How long? Where do you go? What events are scheduled? We get there. Um, well, let's like say we had breakfast at the airport in the morning before we left, probably mm-hmm. around nine o'clock. Um, by the time we get to Washington, a little after 11, get off the plane, get on the, we got two charter buses waiting for us. Um, we've got five people down there in Washington that come to every one of our flights okay. as helpers, yep. which is huge. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, having people on the ground with you that understand the whole process is just, saves us a lot. And, uh, they are they part of the, 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 uh, uh, like the national honor flight? No, that's what's different about these. You can order people from national honor flight, and they'll come be your tour guide or whatnot. Mm-hmm. These are just people that were introduced to North Country honor flight, and they—I hate to sound like I'm bragging—but they've they've quickly tip. figured out that we were one of the favorites. Yeah. And uh, according to our bus driver, um, one of the one of the people that come and vit- see us is her name is Gina, and she was our bus driver for the first six or seven years. Okay. So that's all she does is drive buses, and most of the time it's honor flights on weekends. So there's very few people who've seen almost every honor flight in the country, and knows what they do and how they do it. But Gina does, and Gina calls us the gold standard. So, so we're, that we're, must make you feel pretty proud. We proudly wear that. Yeah, we, absolutely. I, I I think that has to do um, again just the people of the North Country. I've had you know we've had a bunch of guests on here, and you, you, depending on what it is and where they you know the overarching um, theme is, there's a lot of a lot of nice things said about the North Country. Oh, I think my. it's just a you know it's a small town, but I think yep. there's just it's always the people, and you see so many people leave and then they come back, and I yeah. think it's something pulls <laughs> them right back to it. And like it's quiet. They don't you know there's not as much to do you know, in a, in a stone's throw, but I said, right. you know, you, you do know growing up here and just the people that are involved that it's, you know, a good place to, good place to live. Absolutely. There's so many different compliments we get just from the, the people that go. Um, so w- when you, when you go down, like you get off, you get off, you get on the bus, wh- where's that bus first take you? The first stop, uh, once we round up those guys, um, the next stop is we stop and get any of our helpers um sometimes the military will send people over to act as wheelchair pushers okay Uh, gives the guardians a little bit of break um this past trip we had 14 marine corps veterans join us and uh from up here or down down there down there down there from the from the marine corps base right just outside of washington and uh they help us for the day and then uh as you're getting on the bus the lunches are already been delivered, and they're sitting on the seat, and everybody's got their box lunches from uh, Mission Barbecue. Okay. And we've got Not a bad. bunch of extras. If you don't like the one you got, you can trade it in. <laughs> and uh, So we're eating lunch on the way to the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier Okay. up at Arlington Cemetery. Uh, very touching. Uh, kind of solidifies the whole day. You know, it's based on military. Is that a World War Two? So, I, I mean, I'm aware of the the tomb, but based on that, what was the war that 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 is not? It's just in general to all soldiers. Well, it started in World War One. That's when okay. that's when the tomb opened up. And it's an actual tomb, right, of someone they couldn't Correct. identify. Correct. Yeah. And they've added to it over the years. They have actually added some from Vietnam. And there's always someone on guard. Yes. 
24-7. It's an amazing ceremony. It's just uh, something to witness. And, of course, being in Arlington Cemetery is is very solemn in itself. When you see those headstones row by row that are all... All the white crosses? Perfectly matched, and it's just amazing. So uh, we go out for the changing of the guard. And like I say, that started in after World War One, And it's been the same routine day in and day out. And there's a purpose to everything they do. There's 21 steps down, they turn, and there's 21 steps back. Every movement they do has a, has a meaning. Um, what has changed... Single, just one thing has changed in all those years, and that was in 2004 when the honor flight started coming down to the changing of the guard. There's two guards. One, one guard will come out of the house, and he'll come down with the new guard, and the two guards change places. And as the, uh, the head guard takes the guard that's getting relieved out of the tomb area and back to the to the quarters he'll come towards the crowd and he takes a right hand turn and heads back towards the quarters as that guard makes that right hand turn if you're paying attention you'll hear a little scrape of course they will wear steel-toed shoes Mm -hmm. you're going to hear a little scrape with his heel as he turns that corner that's a salute to all the honor flight veterans that are present Wow. That's how impactful this Honor Flight program has become for our country. Uh, the only change in the changing of the guard ceremony since World War One. So Was that? Yep. Pretty and pretty big. Do do they I mean you do you tell the veterans that before? That, we do to listen for it? We always do. We yeah. Said, you know, if you if you didn't know and you weren't looking for it, you'd never hear it. You'd never hear it. And then probably the common it. person would never no. wouldn't know. No. The only people that know what happens are probably honor flight people. So no, that's, so once we're done with uh, with the changing of the guard, it's back on the bus again. And usually we head down. Um, sometimes we'll stop at the Iwo Jima Memorial. Okay. The Marine Corps. Uh, sometimes if we're on a tight budget, we do a drive around the outside of it. It's uh, just impressive to see. But we like to stop because... It's it's a beautiful piece and a a nice relaxing walk around the outside of that. So we stop, do the outside of that. Um, especially the marine guys, they love it, and uh, we never know what's going to happen there either. But uh, back on the bus and then head down to the World War II Memorial. And how far is all these drives? It's, ten minutes, fifteen. It's probably ten minutes down the hill to Iwo Jima and another. 15 down to uh, World War II. We're probably 35 minutes from the airport up to the Arlington Cemetery. Do you fly into Reagan? No, we fly into Dulles. Into Dulles? Yep. We used to fly in BWI, which was it was different because it was further. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we also used to get a police escort from BWI right down into Washington. But they did away with the police escorts now. They won't allow us to have them, so... We miss that. <laughs> just me. Excuse me. No, if I, just a little. I was going to say a little more convenience. So this is, yeah, Arlington. I was going to say Arlington Cemetery. That's down 
It's kind of like southwest of the Potomac or west of the Potomac. Yeah, west side. I've flown over it before, you know, and it's kind of, it, it's cool from above, obviously. You oh, know. my gosh. Yeah, Reagan it's, was going to say. Um, it's it's funny because every road you take, it seems like you get a different view of everything that you know. You know, you're going to see the Jefferson Memorial. You'll always see the Washington Memorial because it's so high. And you're going to see the Capitol sticking up. And occasionally you'll get a glimpse of the White House. And, you know, everything you you recognize. Yeah, this is it right here, right? Yeah, Arlington National Cemetery? Yes, yeah. See, we're right up on the top. Or the, uh, right where it says Arlington National Cemetery, see the buildings? Yep. Yeah, that's where that all takes place. I was going to say, it, it's it's a pretty cool area down there. Oh my gosh, it's... I'd like to go back sometime and, and spend a week myself just to go back and see everything that we don't do. Um, I mean, John F. Kennedy, the eternal flame is right in front of the Tomb of the Unknown, and I've never been had time to walk down and see that. Oh, really? Yeah. I was going to say, are you on a pretty tight uh, schedule for most of this? Very tight, and we try not to miss anything, so it, timing is very important. Um, you know, you don't want to rush them where you're push 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 all day long but mm -hmm. you don't want to lollygag around either <laughs> now how was how it for mo i mean again there's a lot of um a lot of the veterans at this point you know uh, you know kind of later stages in life you know whether they're in walkers or wheelchairs is it um pretty easy with planes to get them in and out it kind of got it down to a science now to make sure it's accessible or pretty good it's uh you know if somebody uh, well i'll tell you what our biggest problem was we had one of the females on the flight last year was very large mm -hmm. and she was completely immobile so you know a lot of the guys can still help you um, they can push themselves up or take a step to to do part of the work for you mm -hmm. but when you have somebody that can't do any of that and you're just you're picking up dead weight and transferring it from one seat to the other and then you add in the factor that they're very very large um, that was our difficult task um it was very tough to to get her on the plane mm -hmm. and get her off the plane onto the bus and then back onto the plane again at the end of the day and back off the plane that night um it took a little more time than normal but a veteran is a veteran and we will do whatever it takes to give that veteran this special day that they have have deserved and have earned so we'd never bypass anybody for mobility issues um, this particular lady once she got back she had a wonderful day told everybody it was one of the best days of her life and two weeks later she had passed away wow so the the timing was crucial that we got her down there when we did yeah. wow. and and to give her that you know closing statement on her life uh is is a huge impact and uh that that's the the way it's supposed to go um when you look i was gonna say for some of these you know this might be the first time they've ever been down there right a lot of them yeah yep um many you know different reasons uh, again sometimes it's it's money wise sometimes it's health wise sometimes it's they just don't care to travel mm -hmm. um we've had people that will not fly 
Uh, we actually did a virtual honor flight one year with uh, six veterans that would not get on a plane. <laughs> um, just the virtual that we did for them up at Beatmantown Elementary mm -hmm. impressed one of the guys so much that he said, you know what? I'm being a baby about this whole not flying thing. <laughs> and he, he, he flew? And, and the next spring he went on his regular honor flight. Um, I was going to say, do you find that <clears throat> for some of these, because you mentioned some of them when they come or – you know, obviously they uh, maybe are, are, like you said, still, whether it's bitter or carry, you know, strong feelings towards maybe how they were received when they come back. Do you think that there's a lot of closure to this when they get to go and kind of see the support? And it kind of mentioned it before of, you know, the overwhelming support. But, um, you know, I mean, a lot of these is this like major bucket list items that they've just for years, decades wanted to go to this? Absolutely. Yeah. No, um, we've actually had veterans say that that this is the final thing that they wanted to do and uh you hope it's not but yeah but it's you know whatever happens and you know we've had that happen many times we've had a, uh, you know there's one veteran who was just gonna go on his honor flight and he's going through chemo treatments very very sick uh the chemo wasn't gonna stop the end result um it was just prolonging it a little bit and he would get very sick when he was on his chemo and he had decided that he was going on an honor flight and if he's got to stop his chemo treatments to do that that's what he's going to do now <laughs> that puts us in a tough spot you know are, are you going to take this veteran and he stops his chemo treatments and something bad happens mm -hmm. it's it's a little bit of a moral dilemma and, uh, you know, we, we told him, you know, this is your decision. We will take you if you want to go. And how you get to it is, is going to be your choice and your family. And uh, he decided he wanted to do that honor flight. So he stopped his chemo treatments, went on his honor flight in September. Of, of this year? Uh, no, this was about five years ago. Okay. Went on his honor flight, had the greatest day ever um, again said that was one of the best days of my life and uh two weeks later he had passed away wow. he passed away reading his mail call which every every flight we do a mail call family and friends send in letters um a lot of these guys haven't heard the words mail call in 50 75 years so we do the mail call and uh he passed away with uh reading his mail call in his hospital bed and uh, had his welcome home sign that some of the high school students made for him at the foot of his bed. Yeah. Final page, final chapter. Yeah, I, I like I said, it's so. I, I and again, you look at the time frame of when these guys grew up too. Oh. You know, and I think it, you know, worlds change, things have changed. You know, and you go back to, um, you know, every war is a part of history. But yep. you know, especially when you look at a country that is very. And it's still in its infancy, you know, <laughs> right, and, and you look right. at a lot of this. I said, you, I mean, I think this was a couple of years ago. I read a story that there's one, I, I believe the guy is still living. His grandfather, I think, was a 10th president of the United States. <laughs> was it Pierce? It was one of the presidents. And what happened was he, you know, I think it was like his second marriage, had a kid late in life. Yeah. Um, 
had a son, son, same thing, had a kid late in life, and this ended up being the, the grandchild, and you're talking, this was a span of like over 200 years, wow. yeah, um, or something like, it was some wild number, uh, but basically they said like, someone right now has connections to somebody that was alive when, you know, John Adams was a president, like, right. like around it, you know, you kind of put it in perspective, like basically our country is three generations old. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, so when you start seeing a lot of these you know, you know, you know, veterans that are have been, you know, r- really a stepping stone at the birth of this country, and, and you know, it's just again with technology now things are different, but um, you know, and and I think the documentation too, there was a lot of documentation of you know the more recent wars, but nothing right. like you see now. No, I mean even even if you go back to World War Two, I mean you're still seeing the black and white footage and. Right. Um, you know what what you can show, and you know obviously if you go to the memorials and stuff, they have you know old helmets and tags and, and you know things but um you know it's just it's like li- you know it's part of living history and stuff that right. we grew up with and to see them you know that's what i find you know as you get older and uh you know and again it's something that as a kid you don't recognize and or as a young adult you don't recognize but as you get older and you start to kind of put things in perspective and i think for me having kids <laughs> puts thing in puts things in perspective because now you're looking at it from a different lens you know like at a different lens and sure. um you know do, do you have children barry yeah and yep. I, well, so, so I, I guess when, as you were getting older and you see it, you know, you see your kid growing up, like oh you start gosh. having more, you know, appreciation for, you know, well, my parents and their parents' generation. And then you start going to like grandparents and like, cause now you're seeing it all live. You're like, I've seen right. my parents go from, you know, when I was a little kid and of course your, your, your awareness of that is like adult, not really knowing. And now I'm like, my kids look at dad's an adult. I'm like, dad doesn't know what he's doing. You know, we're making it up <laughs> as we go. But then you, you kind of, then you start looking at other things as, as I've gotten older and you start putting in perspective, like you see us, someone that goes out and they're in their nineties from world war two. And I'm like, you served when you were 21. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm 33 at this point. Like right. you were what I would deem a baby compared to kids. I see now at 21 who are right. in college. Yep. And I'm like, you went off to fight a war and I'm like, but just different times. Like that was like you said, lying to get lying about your age to yeah, go to war many of them I mean, how many 17 year olds or 16 year olds would lie about their age to go to war it's, probably not many at this it, point it would be different at this yeah. point yeah when you think of that but that's the way it was back then it was totally different and, and like you say perspective um the timelines that we see are just you know it's amazingly how close some of them are um late this past uh june there was a veteran that went a world war ii veteran and uh just blew my socks off. <laughs> he he's sitting there and he says, uh, he says, you know, he says he was from uh, New York City, mm-hmm. and uh, he ended up moving up here much later, you know, after the war. But uh, he had quite a career in the military, and uh, he was actually involved in the Manhattan Project somewhere. Of course, he couldn't tell me a thing about that. <laughs> but uh, he was he was quite a guy and had quite a story and and a lot of it documented on there's on DD two fourteen it's called is their discharge paper and it okay. gives you all the information on where they were what they did uh, medals they've received and any accolades, um, but he, you know you think of things as being hundreds and hundreds of years away, and he sat there, knowing my name was Finnegan, and he was a Jewish fella. And he sat there, he said, you know, he said, I remember going down the street coming out of high school looking for a job. And he said, the signs would say Jews and Irish need not apply. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, 
I'm sitting here talking to this guy that actually saw a sign like Lived that. It, yeah. And it was that close. You know, it wasn't thousands of years ago. It wasn't hundreds of years ago. It was in his lifetime that those signs occurred. And it's just something that kind of snapped in my head and went, oh, my God, you're not that far away from things. Well, yeah, I mean, I think these these guys that are 100, I mean, they lived through Great Depression. They lived through, you know, when they start going to the World Wars. And I mean, it, I mean, if you, if you just, like, go back through history, like, they lived it. Like, when we look at, this is the other thing. Like, right now, I'm 30-something years old looking at stuff I remember in life. Right. Like, September 11th, I was 12 years old. Yeah, I remember 9/11's... that vividly as, as can be. Yep. And you got someone who right now is probably what in my math. Don't, don't quiz me my math here, but <laughs> it might be in their ninety years old. That that was World War Two, World yeah. War One to them, right? You know, and, and like that's just a. And for me, World War One, it seems like you know the Dark Ages. Yeah. You know, like it seems so a, far ago. You know, you read it in textbooks and history, and you right. see these black and white photos, and you're like, oh my god, this is wild. Um, or you see like the grainy colored photos from Vietnam, like even and again, that's not that that long ago. Yeah. Um, and. That's what, again, from a time perspective, and you, when you think about that, it's like these, you're, again, I know it sounds weird, but you're watching them in real time walking, and you're like, that person stormed Normandy. It's it's a piece and, of history walking down yeah, in front of you. And it's just, the stuff they come up with is, is just amazing. He, uh, he called me back after his flight and uh, <laughs> blew me away again. Um, here's a guy, 97 years old. Just got back from his honor flight, and he says to me, uh, "Barry, he says I got I got to share this with you." He says I've got a whole new perspective on life. <laughs> and, and how old was he at the time? Ninety-seven, <laughs> and and honor flight just gave him a new perspective on life. Yeah. Um, he is very sharp. Um, knew all the headlines. Knew all the players. He knows all the politicians and all the ones he likes and all the ones he doesn't like. But he had noticed that everything was dividing us. Everything on the news tried to divide you one way or another. Mm. And he said, you know, I, I was to the point where I was just thinking there's not a whole lot of good people left on this earth. He said, everything's bad and they want you arguing and fighting and nobody's agreeing on anything and he was getting soured on, on the whole thing. And he said, and then we went on this honor flight thing. And I saw thousands and thousands of thousands of people with big hearts that just wanted to come thank us for our service and show their gratitude. And they're just darn good people. He said, I've realized after this honor flight that there's a lot of good people left in this planet. And I'm still happy to be here. Well, when you again you go back to the news and you wish that um, you know one of the I remember over COVID and they had a it was it was on YouTube it was a webinar and I, I don't know if you know the actor uh, John Krasinski yeah so he yeah. ended up doing this uh, it was only it only went for I think seven or eight episodes it was kind of during the uh, you know kind of the uh, April May kind of March April May of 2020 yeah and. Uh, it was called Some Good News, yeah. and he did this little webinar, probably half hour, and it picked up steam because it was all done from your house. So he had, you know, he'd have different celebrities come on and do different things with people, and it was a half hour of just good news. Yeah. And it was it was one of those where it's like, how come there's not a news station right now that that's all they do? Because I said it, this is the thing: national news. You, I, I love watching you know local news because like, uh, absolutely, you know, I love yeah. watching the local yeah. news. I think they do a great job. And then yeah. as soon as six thirty comes on, and it's like doom and gloom for twenty eight minutes, and then it's like. 
At the very end, we're going to show you the sunshine and rainbow <laughs> moment of yeah. some nice thing that happened, some kid beating, you know, cancer or something right. where it's like, well, that's an awesome thing. Yeah. Way and I'm to like, end it, but. But I'm like, you know, at nine, like, I feel like 98% of the world, you know, relate more to those last two minutes. But you, you know, again, if it bleeds, it leads. But that's the thing that I don't understand where, you know, there, there, there's way more good in the world than there is bad. It's just the problem is the bad gets amplified because it's a, it's a business and it's money and people want to. You know, like you said, argue, but I think one of the one one of the things that again, this will probably never happen to me. Again, I, I, never, I don't want to say never, but I doubt it. Um, when you <laughs> never look say at, never. When you look at the astronauts that go up into space, and they all say the same thing. I said, you go out and you do one of those spacewalks, and you look down, and you just see this marble basically floating around in in space. It's just floating, and they're floating. They're traveling 17,000 miles an yeah, hour, by the right, way. But still, right. it feels like they're floating up <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, it looks um, like they are. Yeah, so this, you know, the, the ISS is flying through and they're hanging on. And, uh, you know, and they, I just watched this. And the guy's like, we're out there for like seven, eight hours, yeah. like walking out in space. But he goes, there's there's nothing that can prepare you for that first glimpse, no matter what you do. He goes, oh you're in a gosh. pool, you're, do, you're, down, you're down on Earth doing your thing. The first time you go out and you look down and you see Earth, even though you've seen those guys have probably seen hundreds of thousands of photos of sure. Earth. Sure, yeah. Um, they said there's nothing that you can do to prepare it. But then he goes, the other thing is you look down at Earth, you got 8 billion people down there doing their thing. You know, you see clouds, dark, light, whatever. And it's it's funny when you put in perspective of like all those people are just floating down on this little ball. And I'm one of, you know, whatever, six, seven people that are yeah. up, in, you know, basically above, above the, uh, you know, above the sky there. And it's, but it, again, it puts in perspective of like what we're actually just floating around on this little chunk of rock you know a speck of rock yep but it's it's like if people you know then you can i don't know it's like it's kind of when you, you zoom out and you come back in i i went on a deep dive i love space but i went into a deep dive the other day on galaxies okay and uh how you know obviously how big the milky way galaxy is Oof. and they said the milky way galaxy because all all the footage we really have of it is internal right so everything you're looking is a little skewed but then you start going out and like the milky way galaxy is actually in a what they call a local galaxy, okay. which makes it sound funny. It's like it's driving, you're driving to <laughs> Town or something, but right. you're in a local galaxy, which is part of the supercluster, which is part of another galaxy. So you're like galaxy, galaxy, galaxy. And then, <laughs> and then when you start looking at that, it's like, and we're on a spec. So if you look at like the Milky Way galaxy, you're like, you're actually like not even in this footage because right. you're just like a dot, a no. dot which, which also is like creepy or not creepy however you look at it uh, yeah but yeah. but then you go then i always look back to like the world's problems like most stuff in life like it's just enjoy the ride and like be a good person absolutely and i, I think that like people lose sight of that i'm like because everything's like a problem but i'm like most things in life aren't a problem if you really boil it down and when you start looking at um unfortunately like you know i think the way that things are when you got something that should be celebrated like veterans you know and again not because they what they did was for fun reasons like no you don't go to war because it's like a thing no, to celebrate but no. it's like the, the fact you went to war the fact that you you know put your life on the line for someone other than you which you know ultimately that's the biggest sacrifice you can give in life and absolutely it's, um you know a lot of them do it extremely you know and then you look at like a pat tillman who like quits an nfl position <laughs> to go into war and you're like this guy just gave up a cushy you know i mean you know obviously he's you know, working hard at his profession, but he right. gives up, you know, multi-million dollar contract to go fight in war and, and you know, ends up being with Green Beret, I think he was. Or, Green Beret. Or a, um, yep. Was it Green Beret? Yep. I was going to say, he had a pretty distinguished title. Absolutely. And, and then, uh, you know, for him to pass away and, you oh. know, 
at a, as a young man too when it's what 30s at the time uh, i don't even like i'm 20s? not sure if he was 30 yeah yeah i mean no he wasn't very old but you look at the guys like that and you're like okay oh my gosh like they, that's a hero yeah i mean, I mean it's in, it's it's incredible and you start and even just you know local people that you see and have heard of and you know you go to you know just any any gravesite around here you know i have a i have a uh, you know a cemetery not far from where we or my house and you, Memorial Day, Veterans Day, you see all the flags out there, yep. and you know you see, uh, you know it, it, it's it's powerful. But when you look at it too, I'm like, there's a lot of people, and, and we also live in a very old part of the country. We live in one of the most densely populated with veterans. Yeah, areas I mean, going of the back, whole country. I mean, how and, and going way back. I mean, you have. I mean, even just the Revolutionary War, which yeah. was the late 1700s. I mean, yeah. we talk about the 18, you know, the 18 Battle of 1812, or the War of 1812, but the Battle of Yeah. You know, that was. What forty years after the Revolutionary War? Yeah. So that was forty. That was about forty years after we became a country. And when you look at that, like you know, you think about like, well, Revolution War seems like it's ages ago, and right. that you know, War of eighteen twelve was basically eighteen hundreds. I'm like, yeah, but we're again late seventeen hundreds. Yeah, we're not even. Th- uh, we're what two hundred and seventy years old at this point. See. No, not even that. 250, two fifty, two sixty, seventeen seventy six, or nineteen seventy six when I graduated it's about high two, school. About two, <laughs> well, be, no, it'd be two fifty. Again, my math would be poor. It was seventeen seventy six, so two fifty, and we're coming up. On yeah, so two forty seven right now. Yeah. So you, I mean, under three hundred years old as a country, which is wild. They say the average lifespan of a dominant society is two hundred and fifty years. Yep. Actually, I read a great book. Um, <laughs> did you did you read the book about from uh, Ray Dalio? Did you ever no. see that? No, I haven't. Changing World Order. No. So he goes in it. It's a it's a really good book. So Ray Dalio is a big, uh, the most successful hedge fund manager and ever investor. Basically, if you want to, well, I say investor. Buffett's probably the best investor. He's the best uh, right. hedge fund manager. But when you look at uh, this book he wrote, it was called Changing World Order, and it basically went through and it was like you know. Basically, the general theme is history repeats itself. So you open up this book yep. and it goes through all the economic climates and then what that led to and led to war, led to conflict, led to good times, bad times. And you kind of see there's a you see this more and more now. Um, I forgot who actually came up with the phrase, but I might get this wrong. But it's like it's like, well, they use the term men, but you can put it wherever you want. But it was basically strong men create good times good times create weak men weak men create bad times bad times create strong men so it's right. like you get this cycle i've seen that and that's a mini cycle but then when you start pulling it back out they said most things and he goes really heavy into the dutch he goes heavy into the british he goes heavy into uh the the uh, english he goes yep. or the british english um you know and even further back he goes the chinese and he goes you had these superpowers throughout the, the world um, and they were all about 250. And he goes, but problem was you just had these cycles where they went up and they went up and then they started to decline. Because, and it's, it's from your own doing. And a lot right. of it is like you take someone that's successful. The old Rocky movies. Like I love Rocky. But what happened in, <laughs> you know, what happened in Rocky 3? Like he got cushy. He got yep. comfortable. He yep. wasn't he, he wasn't in the, you know, the. Um, you know, he wasn't in the gym trying to make a name for Didn't himself. Didn't want it anymore. Yeah, you lost. You lost that fight. Yep. You know, you kind of go like a Conor McGregor. Like Conor McGregor goes from the slums of Dublin to multi, now he's a billionaire to the point where it's like, well, the, the 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 urge to want to go fight <laughs> as much as you did back then, you lose it because you don't have that motivation. And I Absolutely. think that that happens to, to superpowers. And basically, the book that's that's what it that's the theme around it. And it's a, it's a long book. So there's a lot of a lot of statistics, a lot of maps, a lot of graphs, but um, it. It's and he, and he starts talking about the rise. You start seeing the rise of the Chinese. You start seeing the rise of Russia. Yep. You, know, you start seeing this, 
at the you know negative of the U.S. and so it's kind of like, can you break the cycle? Well, history has shown that cycle doesn't get broken. Right. Uh, which is not we're probably not on the we're not on the trending side of of that, but um, but that's where it's like you know if you have now that you want to like dominate another country because you 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 know like I said you want to have good, but I said there's so unfortunately you have. You're always going to have these conflicts. It's human oh, nature. It's it's, yeah. it's it's a primal instinct, and right. unfortunately, that's you know we're at a sophisticated day and age where it gets to what it is now. Where you know a thousand years ago, like some guy is probably just going and stabbing you or shooting. You're not even shooting. Yeah. He's just yeah. whacking you, and you know some life, graphic life stuff. Life meant nothing. Your, yeah. your way of life was the only way to be, and the others had to leave. Well, I mean, it's just the primal aspect too. Yeah. I mean, you, know, you yeah. go out in the wilderness and you see a. You know, a safari. You go see a, a lion take down a, you know, whatever, a, <laughs> some some type of deer. You know, type you know antelope or whatever. It's like yep. well, that's how they have to survive. That's, you know, and I have a heck of a time explaining that to my wife. She, uh, I love to watch the nature shows. Oh and, yeah, uh, she won't watch them because of that. Sooner yeah. or later, something's getting eaten. <laughs> Which yeah, and, 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 I mean, but it's like that's, that's anywhere you go. That's what happens. Uh, hey, you know, they, they show the. The beautiful little tiger cubs, and they're gorgeous. Mm-hmm. They gotta eat. <laughs> you know, they're not gonna be there if they don't eat. Or it's like when it, you know, and this is what's crazy too. It's and I don't know the attachment. Like if I, you know, we have a kid, obviously that's just now becomes like the center of our world. <laughs> but then you look at these other things where like a turtle hatches eggs and they like all hatch and they scramble to get into the water before someone a bird comes and eats them. Yeah. So she's like, I'm gonna have I don't know how many. Like let's say she hatches. 30 eggs you might only have 10 that make it to the water if that so it's like but it's like i wonder if they have that emotional i think they do because you see a lot of you know animals like nurturing and mother you know yeah motherly instincts to an animal um and again we share most of our dna with animals right i don't think we're far off from monkeys are what like less than one percent or a tenth of a percent difference and like how different we look to monkeys and act and it's like that's how (laughs) that's all it takes scary it's it's i think i saw Something with us and was it sharks or it was some type of animal, and it was like something that wasn't even close to us. Something you would not like animal like that's so far away from a human. Think we're related, and it right? was like nine, we share like ninety something percent of genetics the same. Jeez. which is great. I mean, but it's it's yeah. just it's evolution, and it's just it's a weird. But yeah. I know this is totally off off topic of honor fly. I told you <laughs> we were going to go off topic, Barry. So <laughs> I, I I don't even know. There's so we just start rambling, and then I'm like, you know what? I don't know where we went, but I. Hey, we're, we're going to roll with it. Um, Absolutely. We'll we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll come back back into the uh, we'll go back to Honor Flight. We'll, I'm sure we'll go back off tangent here in a second. Sure. Um, so the what what's some of the most memorable stories that you've seen so far from the Honor Flight? Oh, Anything boy. that I mean, obviously, I'm sure you said magic uh, happens every flight, but is yeah. uh, you know um, whether it's your first or your fifty first, you know how, how many. Uh, or anything that really sticks out to you, oh or any cool gosh. moments where you're yeah. like, you know, that was that was a special, that was just a special outlier. Every every time something happens, and uh, I'll go back to one of the more recent ones is we had a, a friend of ours uh, who's a, a great volunteer with the Honor Flight, a guy named Greg Lee, who was a Vietnam vet, and uh, Greg was uh, was hit in action over there, got his first. Purple Heart hurt his neck. Um, they got him cleaned up, put him back in the fight, and the second time he took a mortar shell that uh, took his arm off and 
over the years, you know, the arm, he's, he's got a prosthetic that he works with pretty well that doesn't hold him back at all. But his courage and his uh, go-get-em attitude is just uh, something to witness, and I'm, I'm honored to be around people like that. But Greg went down on his honor flight, and he had 20 people that were on that wall that he had known. Uh, some died right in front of him. Um, that's hard enough in itself, but the, when there's 20 different people involved, and uh, we had set out, he didn't want to dominate the flight because you know there's 29 other veterans that day, and he didn't want to take everybody's time all day long to go find you know all of those veterans. So he said, "I'm going to find 10 today." And they they take the paper and they put it on the wall and they do the etching of the name and. Uh, we, uh, we found the first nine very easily, and the last one was on the deepest part of the of the Vietnam Wall. I don't know if you've ever seen it. but it, it's, it's, it's the dark wall, the dark like, yeah, marble or granite wall? Yeah, and it starts out shallow, and then it gets deeper and deeper. So by the time you get oh, to right, the— Oh, it goes down. Into, yeah, yeah. By the time you get to the middle, you know, it's about 12 feet high. Don't quote me on that, but it, it's pretty high. And uh, we couldn't reach the last name, and— uh, one of the helpers that was there at the wall all the time said, you stay right there. And uh, he went and got the uh, got a ladder and came back in, set it up, and uh, Greg crawled up that ladder and got that last etching. And by the time he got up there, um, a crowd had grown. And, really? And we had probably 40 people watching this guy up there. Yeah pen in between his two pinchers on his prosthetic arm holding the paper scratching the name and uh, just a, a moment that was so special to all of us that were able to witness it and for him is the part you know we can't imagine i i can't imagine having somebody um that that passed away right in front of me yeah there you go so you're talking, it was like probably right up in here? Uh, right where the bend is. Right in the middle is where it's deepest point. So you can see, let's say those people are almost six feet. Yeah. So you can oh, see. Oh, you're probably close to 10 feet? Yeah, I'd say somewhere between 10 and 12. Probably like dunking a basketball? <laughs> I wouldn't know. I, I know. I'm, <laughs> I'm right there with you, Barry. I was, I was yeah, blocked more than I had a chance at dunking. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful memorial. Um this past trip, I went down, and uh, there's a young lady. Maybe we'll get lucky she's on there, but there's a, a Vietnamese lady up there, and she's got two kids, uh, six and seven now, and she brings them down to that wall every Saturday, and yeah. they spend the day welcoming Vietnam veterans into that wall. Wow. She's a Vietnam descent herself. Her parents were airlifted out of Vietnam in 1975 in that chaos that you might have seen pictures of, and they made their way to the United States. But she's over there thanking our veterans because she says that that's the first sign of capitalism that they've ever seen, that the first sign of true freedom that was ever brought to Vietnam. And wow. today that country lives in freedom. So uh, she is so thankful for that, that she's down there to thank all those veterans. And it's uh, pretty touching to see her down there. 
Oops. Yeah, I was going to say, this is... It's... Do, do you have, and again, you don't have to be biased, but do you have a favorite memorial? Any that really stick out to you? or? <laughs> well, for me, you know, the Vietnam Wall is so special because of all the people that we know. And, and I remember Vietnam very well. Um, I, I was probably 10 years old in the heat of it. Mm-hmm. So I remember the era. Um, the Korean War, I remember some of my uncles were in the in the Korean War. Um, but with my father and mother both being World War II veterans, um, that has a special place for me. And each each part of the World War II has got a, a, a different um, battle. Mm-hmm. So you can go to, uh, you know, from the from the Pacific, see one end is the Pacific and the other end is the Atlantic. Is this is this the one with all the uh, the states? Yes. Okay, I each, have seen this before. Each, I, I get them all mixed up, but I okay. Yeah, each state will have its own pillar, and yep. uh, we used to try to go down and get the get a group photo in front of the New York pillar every time. Um, but if you okay, turn that 180 degrees from where you're at. So facing Lincoln? Yes. Okay, go right, see that wall right in front of the Lincoln, but still in the right World War II? Yep. Go right into that. See if we can drive this thing around, run, run Google right Maps for people, obviously, they can't oh, see okay. us. okay. No, no, you're fine. We're, we're going to... It might not give you the detail. We're, we're going we're gonna to see if we can get there. Um, wait, where are we just? On the water? Right here. Let's see if this makes... Oh. I feel like we're under a cave here. <laughs> we zoomed in quite a bit there. I don't know yeah. what. Uh, so, but it'd be right in this little section. Uh, no, it'd be right in the middle. Closer right here. Yeah. See that rounded wall? That's it right there. If, mine, if yeah. you can get inside of that, right here, like on this side. Oh, it's in here. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Let's see if we can get this. There, there we go. go. Okay. Oh, perfect. Can you read that? So this is New York right here? No. Nope. Here we mark, that one, here we mark the price of freedom. So is this the New York one? No. That's the uh, the Freedom Wall, it's called. Okay. There is, each of those gold stars represents a thousand United States military people who didn't come home. Wow. They keep adding to it? Each of those ones, no. That's that's. Oh, this is just World War II? Yep. Wow. Yeah. And that comes up to almost half a million. A lot of people don't realize it was that kind of numbers that didn't come back home. But out of 16 million that went. Yeah. But still, to lose that many people. And, and just something about that wall that when it says here marks the price of freedom... And you know you're staring at something that represents a hundred dead people um, that we lost in battle. Well, it goes back to what we said before. Like when you just, you know, when they say like freedom isn't free, it's like when you just take it for granted. You know, yeah. like walk out, the, walk out the you know door, go buy something in the street, or you know, go buy something in the store, drive in your car. Like your car's got a seat warmer. I mean, just all these like crazy luxuries <laughs> we take for granted. But it's you know, it's just. You know, you start looking at stuff around the world, and it's like you can't believe in 2023 people still are, you know, oppressed and doing stuff like that. Oh. That 
or living in conditions that you're like that doesn't even seem fathomable. Doesn't seem like it but should it's, be. But it's able like you're to you're on your own, like little on it, little like your own little island of yep. uh, like kind of uh, you know naiveness or whatever that right. you just you know you don't realize that that's out there. Take um, it for granted. But yeah, this is powerful. Um, Most of those veterans will tell you that you're one generation removed from freedom. Also, yeah. Um, there'll come a time, and who knows? Hopefully not, but we'll be called to defend freedom again, and I'm sure we'll respond. Um, as much as we think it might be different, who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, it, as we know, it'll it'll definitely be a different type of war. It's not ever going to be World War Two, Korea, or even Vietnam ever again. Yeah. But, um, I'm sure we'll respond. Um, we have a great time down. You know, we go to the World War Two. Yep. And Where's what the... we do is we, the bus drops us off up on top, and then we go into the World War Two. And so drops you off with a great year. Yeah, and if if they have um, more time there, mm-hmm. they'll they'll spend all the time they want, and then they can walk down to the Korean Memorial or the Vietnam Wall, which is down here. Uh, or Vietnam's down there. The Lincoln is actually the center point. If you go to the right is the Vietnam Wall. Yep. If you go to the left is the Korean Memorial. And it's a beautiful walk. And it's gonna uh, say right down the mall. Yeah, right down the water's edge. And just a, a gorgeous walk. Oh, there we go. I don't know if I know the Korean that well. They just upgraded it. They just redid the whole thing, and now they have a wall with all the names on it as well. Um, they did it a little differently. They did it by branch of service and uh, rank. So this, okay, it's right here. Yep. But the the part of the Korean that catches everybody's attention is those the soldiers walking through the field. Mm-hmm. And if you go in there and you'll swear that they are looking at you and talking to you, that they're trying to say something to you, um, they're just, and it's not that they're that realistic. It's just the eyes on them. And they added the uh, raincoats. It was an afterthought to add the raincoats on the statues. And uh, it just kind of gives it that eerie feel. Really? Was, was it fought? I mean... Weather-wise, for because I would say out of all the wars, like you said, the Forgotten War, the Korean War is the one we didn't learn the most about. Not much. No, a lot of people don't know anything about it. Um, It was very hot at times. Um, There is jungle, and the worst part for our troops, especially, was the uh, the cold. We lost a lot of people just due to cold, hypothermia, and just and a lot of these guys have you know part of their foots cut off from from. the statues or the veterans that go? No, the veterans that have yeah. been in Korea. Yeah, you can, you can see them. Um, a lot of them got frostbite, lost part of their foot. Um, we did have one guy, uh, Donnie McCormick, passed away a couple of years ago, but um, I had never noticed it as a kid. We were we were front family friends, and uh, we all went to school together. And Donnie was a teacher. And uh, his son pointed out to me about his limp, that he had a limp. And I watched again, and, yeah, Donnie's got a limp. <laughs> so I said, Donnie, where'd you get the limp? He said, well, he said, I was going down 
from Pork Chop Hill. And the next thing I knew, I looked down and there's one of those, not not the little round hand grenades, but one of the long skinny ones mm -hmm. landed right in front of me. Oh, jeez. So he says at that point, what do you do? I said, good question. There's something you never think about. What do you do if a hand grenade lands right in front of you, right in yeah. your path? He said, the only thing I could think to do is put my foot over it. Wow. He put his foot over it and it deferred the blast away from his main body so it didn't hit his, his core. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it took his foot off, but <laughs> overall, pretty minor for a hand grenade landing in front of somebody. I was going to say, think about that decision. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just like yeah. in life. like you I, know? And I did. I sat there and I went, boy, what would you do? Just instincts, I guess. I, you know, Kick you know, it. I don't like. And in, and this is all in a split second that you don't realize how much I mean, time you lucky. don't have. I guess he's lucky he even noticed it. Absolutely. No, yeah, if he wouldn't have, wouldn't have stepped on it, the blast would have gone right up. The, you know, scary. Um, where's the World War One memorial? There is not one. Really? They've never made one. I don't believe so. Not that I'm aware of. Hmm. Not that we would visit it because it's kind of not on our radar, but I don't, boy, I don't think they ever did one. And, and I mean, Civil War, America, or American Revolutionary War? I don't think any devoted strictly to that. No, like I say, I think that all started with the Vietnam. The Gulf War, none of them? The Gulf War is coming. It is That's coming. in the process right now. They've uh, achieved the funding. They've got that all figured out. they got the location. Um, they just got to start, start work on it. So it sounds like that might be a couple years down the road, but they will have it. And it's going to be just off the end of the Korean... Same spot. Yep. Is that? Is, I mean, is that that's customary? I guess at this point, is that the mall? This is kind of more of the. Uh, I mean, monuments, memorials. Yeah, it would it would keep everybody that's down there for you know to see the memorials, give them an opportunity to to walk to each of them, not get involved in DC traffic. Yeah, I was gonna say DC is a cool place. I, I unfortunately I haven't been there a ton, but if you uh, you know just. It's not everything's low. Buildings yeah. are low. There's yeah. no skyscrapers. It's just kind of yeah. which which nowadays that adds a level of you know that that definitely separates you a little bit from right. what you normally see yep. in cities. Um, but it's cool. I mean, when you, when you just think of all this, you know, there's not many places when you go from a city of how many different landmarks you see. Oh I, I would say D.C. and maybe New York City are probably the ones that have the most landmarks that you yep. can think of. Yeah. Um, but it does make it special when you go down, and it's it's almost it's funny. It's Half of these, if they're standalone in a state or in a city, would be massive. But they're Absolutely. all just like combined in one where you could walk by and miss. You could say like, oh, that's the Jefferson Memorial. Like, <laughs> we don't even have time to go look at it because we're going to go somewhere else. It's just. Well, and we had a one one time uh, one of our tour guys couldn't make it that was down there. Um, and we had a fill in and the bus is rolling down the street and he's giving us a description of some church up on the hill like mm -hmm. five miles away i mean it was a beautiful church sitting way up but we're not there to see churches yeah and we're driving by the pentagon 
You just, and that's I, just driving I, by. I, right? I grabbed the guy by the, by the shoulder and I said, buddy, appreciate your knowledge of the church, but we need to know about that building right there. Yeah. You know, you're driving by the center of the military universe and you got a busload of veterans. Yeah. Let's tell them about the Pentagon. Did, did uh, so, so when you go down, when, when you have, um, again, kind of go back in the timeline. So you go in, you hit the memorials, how, how timeline uh, or time frame wise, how long do you stay roughly at each memorial? Or is it kind of like free for all meaning, or you got free time, like go to the ones you want to look at. And... That's what it's developed into. We, we, we drop everybody off at the world war two mm-hmm. and you will give you a time to either be back on the bus or you can head down, walk down to the Korean and the Vietnam wall. So most people are doing that lately. They're walking. Mm-hmm. And so they have another time that we pick them up right down by the between the Lincoln and the Korean. That's where we pick them up, and we'll give them a time of you know 3.30 to get back on the bus. So they have a solid three to four hours yep. Yep. just to they, explore? They've, they've got, you know, it's a fast-paced, um, a lot of off and on the bus, but we do see a lot. And uh, this is a chance to kind of kick back a little bit you do have a little bit of time to yourself mm-hmm. um if you want to go to the world war ii and call it a day you can do that we've had had them do that um most people will try to see all three and take a peek at the lincoln memorial on the way by how, how uh how mobile are most most of the veterans that go like we had the percentage wise like how many are like i said going to the I mean, even just flying down there for a lot of them is probably a feat in itself. It's it's become easier over the years. Of course, now Basically we're into aging. the Vietnam veterans yeah. who were younger. Mm-hmm. Um, when it first started out and it was all World War II, um, everybody was in a wheelchair. Yeah. And most of them needed it. Now, um, we still require the wheelchairs. Uh, when we go into the changing of the guard at Arlington Cemetery... Everybody gets in a wheelchair, every veteran, and we wheel them right up to the front row, right up to the rope. Got the best view in the house. Yeah. Some of them don't like that. I'm not getting in no darn wheelchair. Well, yes, you are. <laughs> yeah. Just play along with us, would you? And, uh, yeah, they end up doing it, and they have a great time, and, and it's a, a wonderful way to see it. The other thing is, you know, even though they are younger, it's still a long day. Yeah, and if you can get your guardian, you know. Oh, every, I mean, that would be long for me going down, well, my, down back flight to anywhere. I think. Absolutely, you know, every veteran has a guardian that's there to take care of them. That that's they're their guy for the day, and they're they're there to do everything they wish. And uh, pushing that wheelchair is one of them. So even if they don't start out the day thinking they're going to need the wheelchair, we make sure that the guardians bring it because mm-hmm. by the end of the day, they can they can save themselves by being in it. And they're ready to sit and admit that, okay, I'll take a ride because it is. It's a long day. And so after you see the memorials, now it's, you said it's about 3 o'clock. Is that when you things start to kind of go back to the uh, airport? Yeah, somewhere between 3 and 3.30, um, we head back up the hill to the Air Force Memorial. And that's where we have our dinner. Our dinner's uh, delivered up there from Firehouse Subs. Nothing fancy, but it's real good. Yeah. And uh, they delivered a soda and and uh, water and everything else. And uh, and where's the um, where's the Air Force Memorial? Up towards Arlington again. Um, you'll see where the uh, it's just up the hill from the Pentagon also. So let's see. There's Arlington. 
See where the 9-11 Pentagon Memorial is? Uh, left or right, Barry? Up, where up, are we? Up, right there. Oh, oh, down. Down. Am I in the, in the ballpark here? Let's yeah, see if I can zoom real in. close. Arlington National Cemetery. I mean, this wow. is all Arlington. This is old. It's not there? Because the Air Force is not there. Put it this way. See where go to the Pentagon? Oh, right here. Air Force Memorial. Okay. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. I was thinking I was right in front of it. Oh, there's 9-11. Yeah, it's there. Yeah, okay. so when you're as you're at the Air Force, you're looking right down on the Pentagon. So the Air Force, from, um, how, so when you go from different branches, is this it right here? Yep. Yep. Beautiful three spires shooting into the sky. Um, and what's the breakdown of um, the branches of the military when they go? Do you, is it mostly like between, what is it, five major branches of the military? Yeah. Is it, how's that broken down typically? We're probably more Air Force at this point okay. with, with the Vietnam guys. Yep. Um, back in the Korean, it was probably more Army. And same thing with the World War II. Probably more Army. Of course, there wasn't an Air Force back then. It was Army Air Corps. So we had some of those. Uh, Marine Corps is pretty consistent. Um, I'd say maybe somewhere between 10 15% of our veterans are Marine Corps. Okay. And then uh, the Coast Guard is probably our least people. We've had... Uh, one flight where we actually had two Coast Guard people on it, and both were uh, commanders, which really? is amazing in itself. That's uh, one of the highest ranks you can achieve in the Coast Guard. So, so when you go up to the, this is where you have lunch or dinner. You said, yeah. See the walls. We can set all the boxes right there. Take our sandwiches out. And, so everybody uh, just kind of hangs out here in the shade and relaxes. Yeah. Yep. It's got to be a pretty view, too. Look at the oh, view out here. Oh, it's gorgeous. They say you're looking right down at the Pentagon. And if those, see those three spires? Yeah. If those were in place on 9-11, that plane would have hit those. Really? Yeah. That's the, the path of the plane goes right over the top of those, right into the Pentagon. And you can see the difference in color where the plane hit. Um, um, on, on the Pentagon? Yeah. Down here? And you're you're up so high that you're looking down on it. It's just a, uh, again, it's just one of those feelings that, you know, you think about what happened there. Yeah. Um, and then so after you guys have have dinner, then it's back to the airport. Back to the airport. Yeah, we get back. And you're not far. I was gonna say at this point you're not far. You go. Well, you said Dulles. You go into. Yes. So you're going out a little bit more in the west. Correct. So then once you, again, once this is all, whoops. Northwest, I believe it would be. So then once you, uh, yeah, it's way up here somewhere. Um, and then you fly back and again, what time do you touch down typically in Plattsburgh? Usually we're back here. Let's see, we leave there at 6.30 and usually landing by 8 o'clock, 8, 8.05, somewhere in there. I mean, that's a long day. It's a very long day. Um. Again, there's something packed into the whole day. Um, I mentioned the mail call earlier. That's part of the, one of the highlights of the day, actually, is we contact all the family members um, 
and let them know that we're going to do a mail call. So if you can send in a letter that just, you know, thanks them for their service and, and whatever else you want to add. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're going to open it on the plane on their way home. And we get a great response from that. Um, everybody does it differently. Some don't take it very seriously. Others put it on Facebook and get, we've had mail for one veteran come from all 50 states in the union. Wow. Um, each family takes it differently. And then we got all the schools that are uh, famous for sending in mail call and they'll do uh, class projects and send veterans all the letters that they do at school. And, uh, it's just a great program that, you know, by time they get on the plane, they got a huge envelope with all their own mail call in it and each veteran gets one. And like I say, especially with the older guys, they, uh, haven't heard those words in, in close to 80 years. Yeah. And mail call was their only connection to the to their family and to home. Um, there's no phones. There's no uh, nothing like that, no Internet. It was mail call. That's your only connection to home. And uh, they still remember that, and it just makes this mail call that they're getting on this day that much more special. And those kids from them schools, you just never know what they're going to say. Um, some of them will break your heart. <laughs> it's just amazing what they come up with. It's nice that the kids get involved in it, too. Because like oh, I said, it's, I mean, you know, whether or not for them it's a history class or, um, you know, it, I, I just I just think it's, you know, kind of a, a nice tribute to a lot of people that, again, kind of older age may have been forgotten or, you know, yeah. or not publicized as much. Like I said, someone from the Korean War that you don't think much of, it's like, oh, right. Same as someone going out right now. And um, oh, and it's important for them to learn that freedom isn't free. Yeah. And somebody somebody got us here to this point, and it, and it was those guys. They uh, they assured our freedom by going to fight the enemies no matter what it was, imperialism or Nazism, communism. Yeah. Well, Barry, on a, on a lighter note, or some, some lighter notes on some stuff, um, <laughs> You're a construction guy, sports guy. Um, I'll, I'll say it. You're a Dallas Cowboys <laughs> fan. Um, you want a whole lot better than my uh, team. We're, we're playing for a, play, uh, oh, a draft pick at this point. Hey, might um, as well, right? That's that's why. Hey, I, once, once you're losing, you may as well go all in. Just one in run, fifteen. We're, get you a good get you a good head start in the we're next gonna year. We're going to draft Troy Eggman. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> was he a number one pick? Yeah. Was he? Yeah. Um, as was I hope that. I hope the Giants get a number one pick. That'd be great. Um, they're definitely in the running. Um, so, sports wise, that is that kind of how you uh, like again this this is obviously a lot of work. Yeah, you're spent, you're you're sending someone off pretty much every quarter. I mean, yeah. it, and I'm sure it never stops. So no, um, it's ne it's a year round project now. It used to be you know our flight season we called it, mm -hmm. but we've added so many wrinkles to it and so many pieces that it's actually a year-round thing. And everybody wants their everything scheduled way ahead of time now. Well, actually, before before I get to maybe some questions on some off-topic things, um, can you speak to a couple things? Volunteering, fundraising, um, just your, your overall, um, I guess, like, like prep and logistics of it all. And then, uh, obviously, the last one is how do you – you know, decide which veterans go and how do you, you know, collect names and stuff like that. Because again, it's not like you just show up for one of those send offs, you know, right. I'm sure you did stuff today for this. You it's know, it's so. always planning, always, you know, if, 
if everything is in place and there's a system in place, you can always make it better. Mm-hmm. You're always looking to do something that, that can improve on anything. So it's, it's a never-ending process. Um, a lot of it we've done so many times that we, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Mm-hmm. So that's come into play also, but uh, we're always looking to do better. Um, the veterans' choices is, is, is a very hard thing, and we take it very seriously. Uh, I'm very fortunate to have a partner in Janet Dupree. Oh, yeah. uh, many of you remember Janet as our yep. assemblywoman Absolutely. from the district, and she came on board once she retired from there and has just been a godsend because uh, she will take that list of all the veterans that we have that are on the waiting list to go and call each and every one, and she'll diagnose what the problem is, what the issues are, if they're healthy, not healthy, um, any other conflicting factors, and almost kind of qualify everyone on that list. So when we go to make a flight list, you know, we need to pick 30 veterans to go on the May 18th next year. Mm-hmm. She's got a pretty good idea on who needs to go. Um, we don't want to mess that one up. Our worst fear is, you know, one, reading the paper and seeing that a veteran passed away that didn't have an opportunity to go on an honor flight. Yeah. Two is even worse is passing away while you're on a waiting list to go on an honor flight. Um, if we've got the proper information, we, we try not to make sure that that doesn't happen. So uh, we try our best, and it's difficult sometimes. Um, you know, you, you're going by age first off, you know, war, World War II, then Korean. Uh, we've got an over 80 list, which is, uh, that, that seems to be the tender spot where um, anybody over 80, we try to get out of here fairly quick. Mm-hmm. And then you get the regular waiting list where everybody else is hopefully healthy. Um, sometimes they're not real honest about it. You know, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. And then you talk to his, his brother down the road and you find out he's going for treatment three times a week. So they're, uh, sometimes they don't let on and it makes it difficult. Is the, is the waiting list pretty, pretty long at this point? We've got 120 right now. So it's uh, last year at this point, we had 150. So we did drop a little bit, mm-hmm. but not much. Um, we've still got those stubborn people that are out there saying, oh, let's let the, the older guys go. And it's like, well, you know, you're 76 years old. <laughs> you're, in the, you're in the upper. Uh... I don't want to give you the bad news, but you're one of the older guys. <laughs> um, so how, how do... Uh... How do people apply for, obviously, either A, a veteran or you said, I mean, there's uh, people kind of, I say, nominate them, family, put them up, or do some of them call on their own and say, hey, I'd love to go? Um, Same thing with volunteers. How does that all work? Yep. A lot of times uh, they'll call and ask, how do I go about it? I'd love to talk to people. Um, My phone number's all over the place. Mm -hmm. Call me anytime, anything to do with Honor Flight. the volunteers, um, we like to, to have them come to meetings. We have meetings down in Keysville at the VFW uh, twice a month on Wednesday nights. And uh, it kind of gives them a feel for what's going on and what we need to do and what we need to get done. And then they can listen and pick out an area that they think they can help with. And uh, if nothing else, there's lots of, of things that need to get done in general. So. They always find something to keep people busy, and it's great to have new volunteers. We love it. Um, as far as the veterans go, the 
best way is right on the website, northcountryhonorflight.org. Mm-hmm. There's a place to print out the applications. The application is the driving force on getting things in motion. Um, we can we can have a veteran's name, but it doesn't mean anything until we've got that application and he's on a list mm-hmm. that we are going to choose from eventually. So getting that name in there and getting that paper in uh, gets us in the right direction. And then it's a matter of uh, sorting out who's going to go and who's who's a priority. But getting that application is very important. Having the guardian application is also important so we know who's going to go with them. Mm-hmm. A lot of times the guardian acts as the, uh, I don't want to say interpreter, but the go-between, you know, sometimes uh, different different reasons the veterans are tough to talk to especially the older guys of course anybody in the military chances are they don't hear well mm-hmm. um earplugs were not even thought of back then <laughs> but uh yeah they they need some help in communications so and they're also their computer people because they uh they do all the the downloads and the prints and get those applications ready to send in so if someone um so like a guardian or something that goes with them, is it typically yeah. a family member oftentimes, or is it some, sometimes they're just like, I need somebody? And then... Oftentimes it is a family member, most of the time, probably. Um, if it's not, then sometimes a friend will go. And unfortunately, we've had veterans that had absolutely nobody left to go with them. Yeah. Um, very sad. Um, they might have had one or two children. Of course, their children are sometimes 75, 80 years old themselves if they're the World War II vets, mm-hmm. and it, they've outlived everybody they know. Um, very sad. Yeah. Um, but they get, they get hooked up with someone local? They, we, we supply them with a, with a guardian, and we try to match up you know, who we think would be best. Mm-hmm. Every flight also has a medic on board, either an EMT, a doctor, a nurse. Mm-hmm. And uh, thank God we've never had to use our medic for any reason whatsoever. Yes, yeah, but we always have one on board just in case. So that sometimes we'll put that medic as a guardian for that veteran. So works out pretty good. Um, now, regards to um, you know fundraising, there's obviously things that that happen throughout the year. But what are some of your major fundraisers? Or um, and I guess the other thing too is it. Is it purely based just on donations and fundraising, or is it any Absolutely. grants? Absolutely. A lot of people don't realize we're 100% volunteer force. Yeah. Nobody in this organization gets paid. Uh, we spend very little outside of putting that veteran on an airplane. Uh, there's, you know, outside things just don't occur. We Everything's, you know, jackets, hats, and shirts for the veterans mm-hmm. and dinners for the veterans and, and the buses and the planes and... It's a very expensive proposition now. Um, What's it typically cost for one flight? $34,000 per day. That's per for day. one plane. So you're looking at close to 150 a year, 130 what, a year? One, what, no, I, that's for one plane. Oh, it's one plane. We send two planes in a day, so it's $68,000 wow. per day, and we do that four times. So you're about a quarter of a mil at this point? A little over, yep. yep. Wow. Very expensive. Um, our fundraising has been good. Um, what I've noticed lately is what's left at the end of the year has been a steady downward curve. Um, we have always strived. We, you know, we're we're a nonprofit. We're a charity that we don't really dictate where the funding comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, our our goal, I should say, is to have enough to pay for next year's flights. 
and that's no longer possible with the rising costs and you know flying charter instead of uh flying commercial like we used to with sky west and inflation adding on and just everything's higher so um we just hope we can maintain where we don't keep on a downward spiral you know and end the year um where we're struggling to pay for an aircraft something like that um the, the the North Country is so generous, and we've put out a couple words, and they've always responded. Um, this year alone, we've had different fundraisers that have been done for the Honor Flight that we didn't see coming, didn't know. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got a bunch of people that do things every year, the same time, same place. But uh, the new people getting on board, helping us out, has been huge. So... Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and say the people in North Country are once again going to respond, and we'll be okay. Um, nobody wants to see this program go away. Mm-hmm. Um, too many people affected, and too many great things are happening. You know, we, we've sent 780 veterans, and you take family members and friends that know each of those veterans. Uh, let's say on the average you got 10 people that know each one that have really enjoyed what Honor Flight did for that veteran, that's a lot of people that have all been very affected by, by North Country Honor Flight, and we're proud of that. Um, and obviously this video right here, I mean, it's, it's, like I said, publicized very well, and I think, you know, I think it's just one, the four days or you know, again, some of them were more than four, but. Oh, yeah, the, the, the one Lee and Denier did for us. It's a fantastic. It's 49 minutes. Is this? Winston Norcross, Army Airport. They did what they asked them to do. Robert? Every single veteran. Kenneth Dar, Marines. Every minute. He just passed away a month yeah. ago. Yeah. So, so this is kind of like a highlight of everything? This is, it actually uh, follows the lives of uh, four different veterans. Okay. And it also follows our trails, everything we do throughout the day, right from the morning all the way to the end. So this is a good documentary just for anybody yeah. who wants to see the whole thing? Yep. That's cool. So this was just, this is 100% for North Country? Yeah. They actually did a, a I mean, by the time you add in advertisements, it was yeah. a one-hour special. And for NBC5 to do that and air it on Friday night at 8 o'clock in prime time yeah. <laughs> blew me away. But so who this was a was it Leanne Do- Dwyer? Leanne Denyer. Yeah, she, Den- she ended up. She's out in California now. We still stay in touch. Oh, there you go. Um, she really pushed this project, and uh, did she have a, did she have connection to it? Just something she just just like not that I'm aware of. No, she just she fell in love with the the veterans that she did the stories on. Yeah, and uh, just. The the whole honor flight in whole. She just she had covered an, enough of it before this that she knew she wanted to do the story. Oh, good for her. Yeah, this is. Here it's away in a quiet northern New York community. Oh, that's cool. The signs of Kenneth Dar's love of country. It is. It's a great show. Um, I was gonna say I have to watch that. The uh, so so again if or uh, you know we'll start wrapping up, but I did. 
if people want to donate, like you said, how can they donate? Obviously, there's. I just was on the, the website. There's a donation button. But any yep. other events throughout the year for donations that are that you'd like to maybe point people in the direction of? Uh, that Harmony Golf Club. If anybody goes to golf tournaments, that was a fantastic event. Um, they're going to double that this year. They're going to go two days. Um, so nice. That, so I have two different uh, parts to it and uh, make it bigger and better and give more people an opportunity to come. Um, outside of that, it's just mainly uh, a lot of the events. You'll see them advertised, what comes up over the summer. There's uh, various events that go on, but... Uh, like you said, the the website you can donate on there. Our Facebook page, North Country Honor Flight, has uh, has got a donate button, and uh, yeah, those little coin boxes that you see all over mm-hmm. yep. different stores and yep. towns, those things are gold mines for us. They paid for an entire flight last year. Wow, it was and amazing. That's just loose change and all change. Um, yeah, and I know there's a couple. I think like the the realtors with the bowling the bowlathon. They the, the bowlathon. The yeah. Um, the realtors wrote a check last year. Well, was, they write check every year, mm-hmm. but they have raised the 15000 to sponsor an entire flight. Wow. Um, we, we've set, it's difficult to, to set numbers. Uh, like I say, the actual cost right down to the, almost to the dollars is 34000 to send a plane load of veterans. Wow. Um, we have set a sponsorship at $12,000. So if anybody raises $12,000, they're considered that flight sponsor. So they, you know, we try to do all the publicity we can for them mm-hmm. and let them know that, that that plane is sponsored by your, you know, business, school, whatever. Organization. We, you know, we've had Beavintown High School, all well, seventh graders actually, sponsored a flight. Wow. Um, they did a fun run, raised $19,000. Um, Penny up here on oh, the yeah, Tom Miller yeah. Road. Yeah, she's very involved. Last year, I think she raised a total of $23,000. That's huge. Just from her, her business? Spaghetti dinners, doing fundraisers nonstop. I heard she was giving out free meals to veterans all, all She is doing day. amazing work. Yeah. yeah. She got, Veterans Day was all free meals, free breakfast, dinners. Yeah. yeah. Um, she does amazing stuff. What's, what's her connection with it? Just... Like, I mean, part of it or just uh, just Good very supportive? Question. Just huge supporter. Yeah. Ever since we've met, um, she got to go on a, on a flight with us yeah. because of the sponsorship. That's one of the other things that comes with, with sponsoring the whole flight is uh, one person gets to take a ride. So uh, that's enticing to yeah. get more people to sponsor. Yeah. Um, so she went and had an unbelievable day. She came back in tears on, on what happens and it's it's a feeling you know you yeah. can, you know we go here do this go here do that yeah but there's also an atmosphere that that follows you and there's just something in the air all day long that you know you're you're doing something special and uh when you come back home i can talk till i'm blue in the face about it and tell you what we did and what happened but i'll never be able to transfer the way you feel yeah. when you're that on that energy trip. From down there yeah um no it's very cool and uh so do you have the flights um picked out for next year we do yeah you know the dates offhand may 18th was our first one because we're about may to october yeah we do one one in may and one in june and then uh 
one in September, and one in October, as a rule. Um, this year, I know Labor Day is early, so we're actually flying on July 30th, I believe. Hopefully, I'll be able to find this fairly quick. <laughs> That's all good. <laughs> There's got to be an easier way to. And these are all Saturdays. Yes, always on a Saturday. Hmm. And it has is it going to stay at four? Is that kind of the sweet spot at this point? That's that's or hope to stay at four relative to going down, like I said, yeah. with funding and stuff to make sure it stays at that. No, we're hoping to stay at, at four different days and then send the eight flights. And I think at the rate we're going and what we're projecting, that maybe one more year like this, like 2024, will be the last time we do eight flights. We're hoping to be able to drop back to four flights a year. So, just be going down twice? Uh, no, we're probably still going to do the four different send-offs. But just one plane? Yeah, one plane. Yeah. Um, the reason we we did the two planes on one day is the send-offs. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I couldn't, and a lot of people say it doesn't matter. We'll, if you want to do eight different weekends, we'll be there. And then they all say the same thing, but I think you can wear people out. If you're asking them to come eight different Saturdays mm -hmm. throughout a summer, that's a lot. It makes it more special when it's limited. I, I, I firmly believe that. And I yeah. think, you know, sometimes people mean well, but more things are apt to happen. You know, yeah. now they take our schedule and they plan that and they work other things around it. They, they are coming that day. And the motorcycle riders, especially, they, they plan their days on being there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, anybody that lives out of town, we go pick them up on Fridays. And that's become an event in itself. So, oh, so they come and spend the night in a hotel or something? Right. If they're more than an hour away, we go to their house and pick them up. And again, with the motorcycle and the police escorts. Wow. And uh, bring them in to the hotel on Friday. Uh, Best Western has taken great care of us. Um, Julie up there just goes way out of her way to help us. And uh, they let us use the breakfast nook. So uh, on Friday evening at 5 o'clock, we have our uh, our dinner for everybody that's going on the flights okay. just so they can meet each other yeah. and get to know anybody else. And we've had people come together and didn't know that two people that served together are on the same honor flight. Yeah. I was, gonna, I, I was wondering how often does that happen? They yeah. run into or, or old colleagues or whatever. Absolutely. They haven't seen in decades. Yep. Wow. Yep. That's a lot of, a lot of, Hey, I know you, you know, that kind of thing. So it, it's a cool thing to get to do. We give them a quick rundown on what to expect and uh, any questions they might have. And they all get their own jacket customized. Everybody gets their own customized jacket, yeah. uh, shirt with yeah. the honor flight logo on it. I was going to say they, they've become, you see a lot of people with them on. So you either have to be, if you're getting one of those, you're a veteran that's gone down or a guardian? The the jackets we protected very well. Yeah. It's either a veteran or a guardian or a, a volunteer that is heavily invested. Yeah. Um, you know, we've probably got some volunteers that have come and gone, but you can tell the people that are probably going to stick around for a while. Yeah. And we like to get them jackets as, as they're part of the one big team. Yeah. You know, and we call it one big happy family, whether you want to be part of it or not. <laughs> you are now. <laughs> so, 
was going to say that this sounds like an Irish family for you. Um, well, Barry, we'll, we'll wrap it up there. Um, I appreciate you coming on. And like, again, I, I appreciate everything you do. And I think, uh, you know, I, I've never been to a send off. I do plan on going to one at some point, but, uh, you know, even, even that you see, you know, you see clips of it and you see, you know, the impact you can, some, you know, depending where I am, you hear the siren. So, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's definitely not, uh, not lost on people that aren't even there. Like I said, I, I'm sure, I'm sure most people, if they chose to, would like to go or couldn't make it, they would. So I right. think it's a cool thing. And, um, hopefully it keeps going. Like I said, 10 years strong now and, you know, we're a little over 10 years. Well, now we're, strong, start, but we're starting our 12th year, 12th year. right now. So. Yeah, and as far as the send off, you know, a lot of people think, "Oh, you know, I'll go because you asked me to go." Well, don't do it for anybody else but yourself. Mm-hmm. Do yourself a favor. Go on down and see one of these things. You're going to go down there. You're not spending any money. Um, it's a little bit early. If that's an inconvenience, bring some coffee. If man, you like. oh man, yeah. come on. Yeah, um, these guys cross the uh, the channel. At, three o'clock in the morning give them a break and go say hello and goodbye when they leave on a flight yeah um it, it's it's a special feeling at that send-off that you can't explain as well there's an electricity that goes through it like you say you're not spending any money you're not doing anything you didn't have to prepare for it you show up you clap you smile you acknowledge and you thank them for their service and when you go home you're going to feel good about yourself that you did something special yeah well, Barry, I appreciate it. Um, again, uh, folks, it is northcountryhonorflight.org. There's a bunch of information on there, donations, uh, schedule, pictures, who to contact, how to contact Barry if you want to contact Barry. He's on there. Um, <laughs> and a bunch of other stuff. But, uh, again, we'll wrap it up there. Uh, episode 250, milestone, a mini milestone on the on the podcast. Amazing. But, uh, episode 250, The Galen Trombley Show. We're out. Thank you for listening to The Galen Trombley Show. Be sure to subscribe, review, and share the episode. You can follow me on all social platforms at Galen Trombley. Thanks for listening.